Yo, yo. What up, what up? Welcome to the WTF Should I Do It My Life podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Sokol, and this podcast is all about helping you live with greater levels of success, purpose, and authenticity while being strategic about the unique challenges and opportunities that exist today. If you've reached the top of the mountain in life only to find that you didn't quite get what you were looking for, or you're on the way to the top of the mountain and kind of realize, you know what, I don't think this is where I'm meant to be and I'm craving that deeper fulfillment and purpose, well, you are in the right place because these interviews are designed to bring more clarity, more confidence, and more inspiration into your life so that you can live with the fulfillment you desire and perform better in all the areas that matter most to you. Today's interview is with my homie Elizabeth D'Alto. And if you somehow don't know Elizabeth, she is known for her raw, honest, and grounded approach to self-help and spirituality. She's the founder of Wild Soul Movement, author of Untame Yourself, and host of the popular Untame the Wild Soul Woman podcast. She's been a teacher, leader, speaker, coach, and trainer to groups and individuals for 13 years, and she also consults organizations ranging from startups to large corporations such as Dove UK. Today's interview, we're going to talk about many things and have a shit ton of fun, so be prepared for that, and we'll also dive into some specific topics like how to find clarity by using your body as a wise guiding mentor. We'll talk about how to let go so you can move on to something better, the remedy for self-help exhaustion, how to use your feminine energy to your advantage, and dudes, that's for you also, and two important keys to increase your knowledge of self. If you don't know yourself, you can't know your purpose, and this is going to be a good one. So let us jump on in. Elizabeth, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm stoked to have you here. I'm stoked to kick it. And uh, I think a great place to start that I'm curious about is, you know, what does it mean to be untamed? Oh, I love Thank you for asking people. It's like one of the first questions people ask me often because I think the word in and of itself can be a little scary or intimidating if you're just going based on like the animal nature, which for a lot of people it really invokes. So no, it doesn't mean like naked, barefoot, screaming in the woods. I'm a little disappointed. Um, <laughs> but the thing is, it could for you like or for someone but really untamed means coming home to your true nature so we all are living in a society that really prefers we follow its rules so to just kind of dare to question the constructs the programming the conditioning that you grew up with whether it was from your schooling and education your family of origin your religion or anything like that that's untaming yourself that is going, cool, do I actually agree with these things? Do these things really resonate with me? Is this aligned with who I am at my core and not just who I think I'm supposed to be because that's what everyone told me my whole life? Make sense? Mm, I love that. Yeah, is there more that you wanted to say about that? I mean, I could go, I mean, it's my whole, <laughs> my whole life <laughs> business. So the core of all of it, so I have this sentence that I've been using for years now, which is that everything you've ever needed has always been inside of you. 
And sometimes people will ask me, why don't you just say everything you need is inside of you? And I really want to emphasize that it's never not been that way. That stuff's always been in there. Sometimes it just gets buried. It gets buried under other people's ideas, right and wrong, what your parents said, you know, your siblings who you competed with or what some kids said to you on the playground. You know, there's all these traumas and dramas that we end up buried under at a certain point. And I'm sure if anyone's listening to your show that they're an inquiry around those things. They look at that stuff. They at least have the self-awareness and the desire to know who they are. Um, and to freaking figure out how great they are because everyone's great. Everyone's not the same. I might not like everyone or want to be around everyone, but inherently we're all like brilliant, amazing, and all of our existences are freaking miracles. Like the things that we could do without even having to think like breathe and walk and talk and all this crazy stuff. Mm. We get so lost. Like uh, someone used the term on my podcast the other day, self-help exhaustion. Mm. So I think, you know, I was I, I don't have a news feed on Facebook because I'm just tired of people telling me how I should be living my life every time I freaking log into Facebook and someone's like, do this, do that. And I'm like, all right, I actually really like myself. So I'm going to hang with me and mm. not read all that stuff all the time. And I, that's so key. And I think a lot of the people myself included at some point who engage in the self-help personal development stuff do it because there's an, a void that's trying to they're trying to fill and there's no amount of self-improvement that will make up for a lack of self-acceptance and so if that's the game that you're constantly playing of I got to get better I got to do this in order to finally be good enough it's kind of like trying to build a house on sand it's just not going to last like So you've literally just verbatim said two things that I say all the time. I wrote a blog post a couple years ago about how self-acceptance has to come before self-improvement. Yeah. And I talk about like building on a foundation of sand all the time. It's exactly <laughs> what it is. Yeah, so yeah. Funny. And so I learned that the hard way. What, what was your journey like? So Untamed, I'm sure that or I'd imagine that that comes from uh, some experiences that you had earlier on. Maybe take us back through your journey of what brought you to the point of doing the work that you do now. Yeah, um, this is so great. Someone asked me a similar question yesterday. I could, I could literally talk about it all day because it's so fun to measure backwards, to look back and remember like how I, what my worldview was or what I mm. thought my options were and to now go, yo. <laughs> <laughs> Shit is dope. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you're the kind of person, by the way, that all I, I could just say, yo, and you get it. <laughs> yeah. Not only do I get it, I like erupt. My soul jumps out of my body. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. So, um, so I was raised Catholic and, you know, no one, no one in my family would ever tell you or like describe me as like tame. It's, it's not how they would describe me. And in fact, uh, I was interviewing a friend of mine, Rebecca Campbell, for my podcast recently. And she was saying something about, you know, her former, like, good girl. And I was like, man, that's not how anyone would ever describe me either. Like, I never, I didn't have that good girl phase where I felt like I needed to, like, you know, be good, do good, all the things. I was always kind of, like, a little, like, spunky and a little rebellious. But at the same time... I still just like did what I was supposed to do and did what I was told. And so at the point at which I found myself, um, I was transitioning in my early 20s. I had, um, have you ever heard of Cutco Knives? No. 
Cutco, they're just like the greatest knives in the world. But the way they're sold, it's a little different now. But when I was 19 years old, the way they were sold was just you would go do home demonstrations for people. So it wasn't like knocking on people's doors with your bag of knives. It wasn't random. You'd like call and set up appointments with people you know and get referrals and stuff like that. So a lot of my training and like sales and marketing literally came from going to hundreds of people's homes and selling them knives. And then when I graduated from college, I I stayed with that company. I did their management training. I was running my own knife selling office in Washington, D.C. So um, and you'll appreciate this. You name you have a team name and a cheer so that when you go to like divisional and regional events like your team, like there's literally like a battle. (laughs) They call it a countdown. I'll call it a, a sales battle. Right. Where everyone goes up on stage and they do these countdowns. And when when it's like the next person, when it hits their number, like they say their name into the mic. So the name of my team was the D.C. regulators. (laughs) And you could guess my cheer. Right. So say it's me up on stage doing the sales countdown. I'd be like, my name is Elizabeth D'Alto. I'm from the D.C. regulators. And I'd go regulators. (laughs) And my whole team would yell back, mount up. (laughs) (laughs) It's awesome. So so in some ways, I've always been doing whatever I wanted. But when I came out of that career, I spent one year in corporate America, like selling uniforms to a company called Cintas. And and while I was doing that, I was like kind of miserable, hating it, didn't know what I was going to do next. And I pretty much got recruited one day while I was working out to become a personal trainer. And I'm like, all right, well, that sounds more like something I'd be interested in. So then I went into fitness. But so here's what was really interesting. And I'm not just rambling. I'm answering your question. Um. So many people say, like, turn your passion into your purpose or, like, you got to do what you love. And what's really interesting is fitness was always a passion for me, like, literally since I was 12. I saw when the TLC album Crazy Sexy Cool came out, I saw their abs. And at the same time, the Janet Jackson video for If, I was like, damn, how do I get those abs? And that's when I started working out. (laughs) So, um I'd always worked out. I'd always played sports. I was always fit. And then I turned it into my business because so many people were like, turn your passion into your profits or whatever. Mm. And and I realized along the way, so those first couple of years of trying to build like a fitness business of – I was still – following other people's rules. I was still letting other people call the shots, following other people's strategies, structures, frameworks. And I realized all the ways I've been doing that my whole life through growing up in a religion, through following the school system, going through college and like having to show up, having to show up so often for so many things that I wasn't interested in, that I wasn't getting any value. And I'd be bored. I'd be super bored and just like mail it in. And fortunately for me, I'm like a pretty smart person. So my 30% effort could yield what other people's would need to put in like 150% to get a good result. But I was like, damn, all right. So at a certain point, and this was around this time, three years ago, like August, 2013, September, 2013, I was like, I just can't do any of this crap anymore. I um, had been working in a private training studio and they did a photo shoot for Marie Claire and they were, I was in amazing shape. I had my own abs. They were visible. <laughs> and they still painted contour lines on my stomach. And I was like, I'm actually, if if I'm agreeing to this, I'm actually part of the problem. So that's how it is. It's, it was by thinking other people knew better than me. And not like taking things into my own hands and like like I said earlier like do that inquiry doing that questioning especially as someone who is out in the world as like a coach and a leader and a trainer and a teacher so I really had to go through a journey of being like who am I what do I believe in what do I stand for and like that's true for me from my core and not just everything that I've been fed Mm. yeah it's 
awesome and uh, hip hop references that you shared along the way. Thank you for that. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, one of the listeners to the podcast said one of their favorite things about my podcast is it has that little explicit sign just next to every episode. We're just like, Me fucking too. throw it next to every episode because we're cursing. <laughs> Uh, that's great. But but so where I wanted to go with you from there is one of the things that jumps out about uh, your uniqueness when you are, you know, have this beautiful website. And I've told you before how much I really admire and just appreciate the feel of it. And uh, in a lot of the stuff I see you do, if not everything, you, you're not wearing makeup or you're not necessarily like straightening your hair. And I think that it seems is different than some of the things that were happening three years ago. What, what What's that transition been like for you? Oh my God. So liberating. You don't realize. So when your business is fitness, how you look really matters because you're the product. Hmm. And yeah, part of untaming myself was just fully accepting myself as I am. And in the process, I actually threw the baby out with the bathwater and fitness. So I'm just now about three, three and a half years later getting back into fitness. Mm -hmm. And I've gone through a period where I've literally from, I guess when did I do my first photo shoot for my old fitness website was 2011. So from five years ago, I probably weigh almost 30 pounds more. My body is certainly different and it's been an interesting journey to love myself anyway because like one of the things that our culture like kind of wants women to do is constantly be in pursuit of this beauty ideal that doesn't even really exist, right? Like that meme we've all seen on the internet, like the girl in the magazine doesn't even look like the girl in the magazine. Mm. So allowing myself to literally let myself go in a way and and just pursue other things like spirituality, personal development, some healing, um, creativity, building my business. And I very con- I consciously made that choice because every time I tried to get back into working out, I, I literally, I couldn't, I couldn't stay consistent until very recently. And so, um, it was kind of a middle finger at first. It was like rebellious. It was like a middle finger to F that stuff. I'm just going to be me. And then, and I'll be super honest, some of it was like a little shadowy, like some of it was like a little emotional eating, like I moved across the country. Um, But it's been cool because I had never had the experience of being out of shape. And I'll put that in air quotes since people are listening, Mm -hmm. um, not watching. I had never had the experience of being out of shape. So it was kind of cool that now I can relate to this whole population of women, which a lot of whom I serve, and now I get it. I get what it's like to not be the hottest girl with the slam in his body and to notice the difference actually um, in how people treat you, how people see you, the feedback you get. And then part of that journey to reclaim my beauty and my sexiness as I am mm. Mm. in a really untraditional way. And one of the that's been a thing. So my hair, I used to straighten my hair all the time and just deciding like I don't have time for that. So I even did this in 2011 when I moved back to New York City. I stopped watching sports. I had been a diehard sports fan like literally my whole life. I think my dad is still grieving that I'm not a sports fan. <laughs> like when I say sports fan, when I was personal trainer, sometimes I'd be driving between like Hoboken, New Jersey and Staten Island, New York. I would call ESPN radio to like pass opinions. <laughs> like that's so how good. into sports I was. And I was like, I'm not going to bring a TV and I'm not going to be a sports fan because I just don't have the emotional capacity for the New York Mets anymore. We're, like, we're going to see if one of our researchers can splice in a dig up and splice in one of those clips from back then (laughs) good luck to you yeah but it was really only like twice but um 
I just started to make all these choices about like, where was my energy going? And so for me around like the beauty thing was, I don't don't have time to like blow dry my hair straight. Mm. I'd rather just figure out how to deal with it being like messy. And so the good news is when you name your book, Untame Yourself, and you call your business Wild Soul Movement, you can get away with a lot more stuff. Mm. (laughs) It's totally on brand for my hair to be a disaster. Um, We're just kind of all over the place. And and I do wear some makeup, but I just like, uh, I'm just not into it. Yeah. I don't know. Did I answer the question? You did, yeah. And so it brings me to the next thing that I think could be cool to dive into, which is it sounded like that journey was in part about a surrendering and a releasing. And I know that those are things that you help women with. Um, yeah. What do you think, what, one, why is that important for the people who are listening? How, do they, how can they start to check in and see if there's something in their life that it's time to surrender and release? And also, what's the general importance of that? Yeah. Well, again, I really, I think of it a lot from energetics. We often don't realize how much energy something is taking um, or requiring until we're not doing it anymore. So like breakups are a really great example. While they're, while breakups really stink, they're also amazing when you realize this whole vacuum of energy that you now have available for yourself again, because you were putting it into the other person and like the day to day of like being committed to another human. I'm not, by the way, I'm not telling all of you guys, Hey, go break up with your person and have all all this energy now. Not what I'm saying. But when you realize how much effort that you were putting towards being something other than what you are, it's, it's a huge incentive because it's so easy. It's so easy to just be myself, to just be congruent, to just show up as I am and to accept that that person actually changes quite frequently. Like who I am today is not who I was three months ago and just kind of roll with it. And my energy then goes into caring for myself and nurturing and loving myself through those changes rather than trying to mask myself or contort myself into being something that I'm not. And so the congruence and the alignment is really, it just makes things easier. Hmm. And what do you think gets in the way of people who resist that process? So, and, and let me make sure I really answer the question because you asked about surrendering, releasing. So surrender and release things that don't fit anymore. It's literally like you sometimes look in your closet and you're like, I don't want to wear any of these things. Or um, I used to eat this. Now it hurts my stomach. Like we're just growing and changing all the time. Or hanging out with that person used to be fun. It's not anymore. It's really, you know, I do this thing at my retreat weekends called a life inventory where we really look at, you know, what are the major areas of your life and how are they actually going? Because it's really easy to delude ourselves that things are better than they are or that things are worse than they are. By just making people look at like what is the the truth of your situation in the various areas of your life, some people are like, damn, I'm doing way better than I thought or ooh, I really got to clean clean some stuff up. So there's a big decluttering, right? Because there's so much in the year 2016, life is just complex. If you're, if you're listening to a podcast and you have access to the internet, you live in the first world and life is just complex because you have a lot of choices. Um, so I wanted to, you got to declutter, declutter your physical space, your mental and emotional space, declutter your digital space, the text messages, the emails, like all that kind of stuff, like do an inventory of what needs to go. And it's not all like spiritual and woo woo. It's not all like wounds and trauma and shadow work. Some of it's like very practical. Like I hate that chair. When I walk into my house, I get pissed off every time I see it. Get that thing out of your friggin' house, you know? Yeah. 
Well, I don't because I don't know that chair, but I, I get the larger scope of what you mean. Yeah. And, and so, but change can be so scary for people. I think that um, me and you have been kind of on this personal development path for quite some time. And so we've almost, and, and both of us having that kind of rebel spirit, maybe we were, we were a little bit more open to change or uncertainty than, than some other people. But for people who are listening, who kind of are afraid or hesitant to step into what's possible or what might be the next evolution of um, their truth of that deeper layer when we when we start to take off some more of that uh, conditioning or the constructs or the beliefs that aren't necessarily inherently theirs um, what uh, what do you see coming up for your clients that kind of gets in the way of that and then how do you guide or support them through that process yeah. So first things first, people are afraid they're going to lose everyone and everything because they're afraid that if they, if they change the people around them won't, and then they will lose those relationships, not being okay with what is like not being okay with that people. It's okay that people are who they are and how they are. And it's okay for you to be who you are and how you are. And the people that truly are your people, they're going to be okay with it. it might be uncomfortable at first, but they're going to be okay with it. And so um, I find that to be the number one thing. Literally, people just afraid are going to be afraid that they're going to lose everyone, that they're not going to belong. Um, and sometimes people are afraid that they're going to get like stuck in this rabbit hole. Um, but the thing is this, people are clinging to an identity that's not even theirs. Mm. And so I also find that people are afraid of what they might find when they look under the hood. Ah, And oftentimes... In my own experience, it's a lot scarier to uh, to think about looking at it than to actually totally. look at it. It's like when yeah. you actually when you're actually willing to go in there and have a face to face and and an acceptance of okay, could I accept myself if this was the case? Um, then one, you can either accept yourself or or two, it just kind of clears up. It's yeah, a- and because fear is ultimately an indulgence of mental laziness. Because if you're afraid of something, you're probably – it's not even like the actual fear that's usually what gets us. It's the anticipation. This or all like the what-if stuff. And if you've gone deep enough into that to feel nervous or anxious, you are just mentally indulging the negative and the crappy thoughts, right? And 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 except in the case like if, if you have some kind of trauma that's like hijacking your nervous system, that's different. But if you're not in like a nervous system hijacked place and you're just – you're letting the crappy thoughts spiral out of control and you're writing like a mental movie that's traumatizing you right there, right? Versus – being observant of that and being like, okay, I'm, I'm taking myself for a ride here. If I'm going to do that, I might as well do it in the positive spiraling direction, you know? Mm, so cool. So when, uh, when you say, you bring up the word identity, and uh, I just would love for you to talk a little bit for the people who are listening who kind of aren't, aren't really familiar with the lingo that we throw around in the personal development world. Um, how does how does one kind of create an identity? What's the the danger of not being aware of it? And how can they um, kind of transcend or, or shed that identity in order to uh, to step into the next chapter? Cool. So, and this is not, I make up my own definitions for things as I understand them and they experience them in my life and I experience them with clients as well and people at various programs and communities and stuff. So to me, an identity is the cumulative sum 
of all the things that you've decided to identify with. So for example, um, I'm from New York. That it can be an identity. It's something I used to identify with way more. Well, I'm a New Yorker or I'm the kind of person who. So that's a good way to, to figure out where what are you identifying with? If you have a bunch of answers that go after I'm the kind of person who dot, 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 um, there's some identity stuff, right? Or like I'm Italian or I'm this, I'm that. And some of it, you know, some of it's relevant. Like all these things can influence who we are. But the problem with identifying with stuff is then we tend to limit ourselves as well. So if someone has had a history of some kind of trauma or um, something terrible happened at some point or they grew up in a certain type of place uh, with a certain type of environment or socioeconomic status or, you know, whatever. Maybe they have an illness or an injury or an autoimmune. When people over-identify with these things, then they're kind of always living their life, hedging for when the next thing might go wrong because of the thing that they're identified with. Does that make sense? It does make sense. And so here's the question that I'd love to throw at you. So, uh how about when people take these tests and it's like, I'm a, and I'm going to butcher this because I actually don't know it really well, but it's like, I'm an I-N-E-F-J-O-Y, right? Or it's like, it's, yeah. it's like you know, I, I took the test and it tells me I'm an intro extrovert or like whatever, right? Like how, did, how does yeah. that fit into this? Yeah. So I think those things could be, again, everything, there's this book called The Gene Keys. I haven't read the whole thing, but well, the biggest thing I've taken out of it is everything has a shadow a gift, and then an enlightened state. And so I actually love personality tests because I think one of the most incredible things we could do. So there's a difference with creating an identity and self-knowledge and having self-knowledge, right? Knowing yourself. And then once you know yourself, it's important to also be willing to change and not fit into the boxes. So I love identity tests, uh, the the typologies and things. So Myers-Briggs is like, the e, I'm an ENFJ, right? Um, I remember actually, I think the first time I met you, we were geeking out on that with Natalie Sisson. So there's Myers-Briggs, there's the Enneagram, the, my most recent favorite thing, which is called human design. It's a total rabbit hole, very intricate system. I like astrology. Like I love all this stuff because I'm a patterns person. So I like to gather the data and then go, okay, what are the common threads and what actually resonates? What feels true about who and how I am? Great. Good to know. I'm not going to allow those things to define or limit me, but I am going to use them to be considerate of myself and my nature and compassionate with myself. So for example, I live here in Southern California in this, quote, conscious community. And there's a lot of people here who some people would call them hippies and new age and stuff like that. And uh, to each their own. I really don't care what anyone believes in. I don't believe there's right or wrong. If it works for you, great. I'm super open and accepting of that. My problem is when a lot of people are sitting around talking about changing the world and they're not actually doing anything um, or when people are using these tools they're learning to just like project their stuff all over you and they're not owning their own experience. And so for me as a person who for the most part, I am a straight shooter. I'm, I'm pretty grounded. I, I'm comfortable and I know myself and I love myself. And so when someone is not in a place like that, it being around me can be uncomfortable for them. And so I just, I've tried, I, I told myself for a while that I wasn't compassionate enough. I should be more accepting that there's like a lot of people I don't like being around. And then I just have come to accept by getting to know myself. Oh, 
They're just not my people. So there's a big difference between getting into the judgment place and being discerning. And so where I think there's a lot of value in the typologies and the personalities tests and things like that are to know yourself so that you could be discerning and so that you don't constantly find yourself in situations that you don't want to be in or that are not energizing for you or that are super draining because it's filled with all kinds of activities or people that really aren't congruent with who you are. Mm, yeah, I love that. And I think at the end of the day, it's, you know, do you feel empowered by what you're getting out of this or disempowered? And if you can right. use this for your own alignment with, you know, your growth and what matters to you, then uh, then I'd suggest leaning into it. And if not, then I'd suggest dropping it. Here, Here's the question that I started to think of as you were talking. So I'm a huge proponent of knowledge of self, right? If you want to know your purpose, you got to know yourself. If you want to create a life that's fulfilling, you got to know what matters to you. So when I think of knowledge of self, you know, there's some things that come to mind, knowing your values, knowing your strengths, knowing what... Um, uh, what you, what your, what energizes you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. When you think of knowledge of self, what are some of the key components that you think are most helpful for people to get to know? Uh, I'll leave it there. Yeah. All right. So I would say a big, big, big one is how you process information and how you process emotions. Because people have different learning styles. This is where I'm really, really glad these days to see so many alternatives to traditional education popping up. Because I think of someone like my brother, who is like massively creative. He plays instruments. He could do anything with his hands. Like he is just so talented at so many things that were not praised or encouraged in traditional schooling system. So he did not do well in school and that, that caused some problems for him, but he excels in these other things that he didn't realize until later, later in his twenties. And so I think understanding how you learn so that when you do seek knowledge or when you want to go to a conference or a seminar or hire a coach or go to a whatever, or even just go on a trip or like take in experiences. Do you learn better by reading a book or listening to it on Audible? Um, do you prefer storytelling or are you more like a detailed, give me a checklist person? Um, so knowing how you process information and how you learn uh, is a really helpful thing so that you're not just like ingesting, ingesting, ingesting and not integrating and digesting anything. Because again, we live in this rampant information age and technology is a miracle, but it could also be super freaking overwhelming. Mm. Um, and then knowing how you process emotions. So some people are going to need to like roll around with things on their own first before it's useful to talk to other people about what's going on with them. Um, some people might want to do that through journaling or meditation or some kind of movement practice. Some people want to have a coach or a therapist or something. But some people really need to process things a bit more internally before they're ready to bring, bring it out into the open. And some people actually need to talk it out need to be sharing things. And I think understanding and respecting how you learn and how you process emotions and things is so valuable. So then you're not constantly violating who you are because other people want you to do it differently. And I'll give you an example. 
my partner, Michael, he needs to talk things out. I need to be with things for a little bit before I'm ready to talk about it. So something that created a lot of conflict for us before I really got that about myself is he'd be trying to get me to put words to things. Well, tell me about it. How do you feel? Whatever. And I'd be getting so pissed off and I didn't realize I wasn't getting pissed off at him. I was getting pissed off that I was trying to process something out loud that I was not ready to. Mm. And then what would happen is I would, I would misinterpret my own feelings because I hadn't been with them for a moment first and I would say all these things that weren't actually true and then later on I'd have to be like actually that wasn't accurate and it's just to me super inefficient it's just inefficient to not be who I am and that's so cool so is there a practice or anything beyond just the obvious of thinking about so how do you best learn or how do you best process emotion that people who are listening can can use to uncover what their truth is there Yeah. I mean, just look at your timeline. Like think back on things that were like so fun, amazing and easy for you to pick up. Why was that? Mm. Right. Is it because it was a hands-on experience? Is it because the teacher was really good? So it might not even be about how you learn. It might be like, what's the environment that you need to be open and able to learn? Right. Um, I'm, I'm having a uh, an aha moment right now. I learned oh, cool. I learned really well by listening to rappers talk. Like cool. so, like I got some great knowledge from like Fifty Cent. That's like really stuck with me. Like last weekend, I was listening to Fat Joe talk about how he like created some hits, and like I'm like wow, and like that stuff really sticks with me. Yeah. Huh. Thank you for that. Uh, have you ever listened to um, Rick Rubin on the Tim Ferriss podcast? Yeah. 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 There was some that when you said that, that reminded me of that because he was talking about like the different places that people create from. Yeah. So so that's important. Like environment matters. The 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 method or the structure matters. And these are the things like if you're going to expend mental and emotional energy, figure out what works for you. Because a lot of people, when they are suffering or in pain or they're depressed, it's really because they're just in an environment or they're in a situation that is not set up for them to win. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to put a square peg in a round hole, thinking there's something wrong with them, and there's nothing wrong with you. It's just like the path that you've chosen or the method or the whatever isn't doesn't work for you. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. So one of the things that I'm excited to explore a bit with you and also a bit hesitant because it can be so complex is a little bit of the ideas behind what it means to be feminine. Mm. And uh, I think the allergy that I've had more particularly to the idea of, of what it means to be masculine is that it's kind of this word that I believe gets thrown around uh, and that many different people mean many different things by it, kind of like the word God or love, like there's no clear definition. And so Mm -hmm. when looking at it, you know, I found it helpful to look at it from a standpoint of your biology, meaning your actual sex, what genitals do you have, (laughs) being being one thing. Uh, Another would be socially, right? What does it mean to be a man or a woman socially, meaning what are the constructs gender that we believe we are supposed to act as and we've incorporated that incorporated that into our identity and then from a spiritual or energetic perspective and this is the part that I get a little bit more hung up on trying to describe 
because I don't know, there's just so much language out there, and to me, it doesn't seem so many words. Yeah, it's not as clear cut as like you have a penis or a vagina, right? Or like you're supposed yeah. to be whatever this or that. Um, so maybe you can help me uh, just unpack a little bit about what it means to be feminine, more from a spirit. If this resonates with you, and maybe it doesn't, you can go down that rabbit hole, which is cool. Um, but if you're game uh, to talk about a little bit about what it means to embody feminine energy. Yeah, great. Um, I'm totally cool talking about this. I wrote a whole book about it. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Um, And I just want to acknowledge how, I don't know why, but when you said genitals, why is that word so funny to me? (laughs) 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 I'm about to turn 33. At the time we're recording this, my birthday is tomorrow. I'm about to be a 33-year-old grown-ass woman, and that made me really laugh. So, yeah, here's the problem like with all things so many words so many opinions so many schools of thought and a lot of hyperbole there's a lot of like I can't read some people might like it most of the time if someone's sharing something that's like from elephant journal I can't read it there's probably a lot of good stuff on there but more often than not if there's some article that's just like so like so much hyperbole so like over idealized that's just gonna like set people off their rocker I also I often find it's coming from Elephant Journal, but um, <laughs> was, that might have been an unnecessary thing to share. But yeah, the, it happens. It's keeping it real. I'm just giving you an example of like where this st- kind of stuff comes up. So here's the I, I like to keep it easy. Uh, one of my favorite explanations for masculine and feminine I ever heard actually um, came from Michaela Bohm, and she said that you know think and and think of it, so I'm going to go energetics right because there's a lot of people that. Um, might have a penis, but identify as more of a feminine energy or or a female. And like, you know, so many, there's a lot of fluidity with that these days and it's cool. So, but we all, no matter how you gender identify, we all have masculine energy and we all have feminine energy. So understanding similar to the typologies, how your masculine is developed and expresses and how your feminine is developed and expresses is really helpful. And I'll give you a quick story. Um, for many years I was told I'm too masculine or like I should soften, I should be more feminine. And I, before I understood any of this and I hadn't studied any archetypes or anything like that, I, um, I was like, well, good luck because like I was a tomboy growing up. Like I thought feminine just meant prissy or girly. I have friends I could think of like that. Like, I think, you know, um, I think, you know, Nisha Moodley. Nisha's a friend of mine. Nisha to me is someone who's uh, to me, like quintessentially, like traditionally like feminine. And I was like, well, I'm not, I'm not like that. Mm. And then I'm reading this book about, it was about three years ago now called Awakening Shakti by Sally Kempton. And this is the first time I started to look into archetypes and realized that, yeah, feminine is a thing, but there's so many different expressions of it. And I get to the chapter on, um, it was, this book uses, the the goddesses of um, Hindu and yoga to explain archetypes and I get to the chapter on Durga and this is like warrior goddess and I'm like oh I've always been feminine I'm just like a fierce expression of feminine Um, it's not masculine it's been misread yes I, I can be just like everyone else on the planet masculine but oh I get it now I'm not inherently like super soft and flowy and graceful I'm much more like that fierce mama bear, like don't mess with my people or me or the planet or the world. So, um, feminine is a lot more chaotic inherently, a lot more inconsistent. 
um, flowy in the many different ways that one can interpret flowy. Masculine is a lot more structured, a lot more penetrating, forward moving, straight lines, rules, structure. So think of it like a river. So the masculine is the river bank. It's the container. If there was not a river bank, there, it would just be like, it would just be a puddle. It would just be a flood, right? The feminine is the water, right? It could be choppy. It could be calm. It could be serene. It could be like all over the place and really fierce. So um, if you think of kind of those words I just used and then that uh, physical analogy that you could actually visualize. Does that help it make more sense now? It does. And I'm wondering for people who are listening who are thinking, well, why would I want my life to be more chaotic or inconsistent? Those seem like negative things, particularly mm -hmm. women who have achieved uh, what we would say is just clearly success in a masculine world. Why would I want more of that? Um, what do you, how do you incorporate that? Yeah, because from chaos comes growth. So a lot of people in self-help, spirituality, personal development, they want it to be all love and light. Mm -hmm. If it was all love and light, there would existence would cease pretty quickly because we need friction for growth. We need things to rub up against to create a reaction, to create change, to create a growth. So chaos, when, again, everything has shadow, gift, enlightened state, Unmanaged chaos, unlooked at chaos, unaddressed chaos. Yeah, that's not helpful. But if there's something chaotic going on, there is like, it's like a treasure trove of opportunities to learn, grow, heal, understand, create, right? I love that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So we need, we actually need a healthy amount of chaos to progress and to evolve. Huh, that's so cool. I haven't heard it put that way, although in this context, although that makes a lot of sense. When you first started talking about it, you said there, that there's the feminine that is um, developed and expressed. Was, is there a distinction in there between those two things or is that just related? So kind of like the personality and typology test, I think inherently at our core, we, we all are more inclined to be a certain way. Like we all have a true nature, right? So my feminine expresses it. It's mine is a lot more like, like primal, fierce. Um, I'm like moving my body a lot. It's, uh, it's hard to put things into words that I just like feel so deeply. But I mean, I mean, you look at me, you look at my website, you could probably feel it like you get it right. Whereas, um, there are people who are, who are more light and more lovely, more of like a, if I'm going to use those archetypes, like, like a Lakshmi or like a more of like the introvert, like, um, it's the Saraswati, like there are these, all these different expressions. Right. And then, then there's some women who would probably classify or identify more with like the seductress or like a sexual priestess. Like, you know, sometimes you see a woman who just like literally oozes sexuality and she just can't not. Um, and that's amazing. And then there's people who like they hide from that or like it's not their most natural. So I think with a lot of archetypes and energies, the fact is we all have all the things within us, right? We're infinite beings, but some of us are more naturally inclined to express certain energies or certain archetypes. And if we desire, we could develop the other ones. It's not much different than, um, you know, strengths and weaknesses. Like if you've ever done a strengths finder test or like a wealth dynamics and you kind of see, okay, cool, here's where you shine and excel naturally. Here are the things that you probably don't, you know, work on either however you choose.
So cool. So Awakening Shakti was the book that really was a, a gateway for you into there. Is there a book for men on that? People ask that all the time. There's actually, if you really, there's a book called like King, Warrior, Magician, Lover. I have it. I haven't read it, but that that's getting into like the male archetypes. Alison Armstrong's The Amazing Development of Men is more understanding like the different phases that men go through. Um, but then there's a book by Caroline Mice called Sacred Contracts, which is just uh, like a consummate work on archetypes and energies that encompasses masculine and feminine. So those are, those are the resources I'm aware of. But you could look into, um, again, if you want to use like the storytelling and like the Hindu gods and avatars like um, Hanuman, Shiva, Krishna, Vishnu, like uh, Rama, all these other, you could get, you could get it from the stories. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So cool. Um, what haven't we brought into the conversation, if anything, that you are inspired to make sure that the listeners get before we get out of here today? Yeah. So this is really important. We talked about a lot of things and I love it. This is the kind of like geeky, go down the rabbit hole kind of conversation that I love to have. Mm -hmm. And I know it could also be really overwhelming. So ultimately, uh, I think I'll just say resonance. It's really important. So a lot of my work comes back to the body. And like really knowing what yes feels like in your body, what no feels like in your body and what truth feels like in your body. So like even throughout this conversation, there were probably some things we said that you felt closed off to probably some things that like maybe you opened or you sat up or like you had some kind of turn on, not sexual, maybe, but like um, your body like woke up and was like, "Ooh, what's that? It's almost like your internal antenna system like perked up a little bit, right? So paying attention to those signals inside of you to help you decide what thread to pull, right? What path do I want to go down? Okay, that sounded interesting. Let me check that out. And then reserve the right to jump ship. Like if you check something out and you're like, oh, no, it's not actually for me. Great. Ditch it. You know, like you just nobody has time to finish books they don't want to finish reading, to research something because someone else said to research it. You got to you got to go based on your own internal navigation system. How do you discern between yes and truth in the body? So, okay, this is important. I have a practice for this. I think if they go if they go to untameyourself.com forward slash companion, that is the companion to my book. And there's a video actually physically how to do this. But you got to test it out. I mean, this is straight up trial and error because what feels like yes in my body might not feel like yes in your body. What How truth resonates for me might not be for you. But I can say this. Yes, for the most part, is going to feel opening and expansive, however it is that you experience that. So maybe your your chest opens, your shoulders drop. There might be a sense of relaxation, um, something like opening and expansive. No is going to feel more constrictive, again, however you experience that. So you might feel like a tension or a tightness or even pain in your body. You might feel like some energy drain, like that would be a no. And then truth for me, my signal of truth is... Uh, one of them is I will just literally start crying mm. uncontrollably. Like there's no logical reason for me to be crying so hard. I'll give you an example. I watched a movie called The Fountain a couple months ago. I sobbed through like three quarters of it. I, at a certain point, I just crawled into Michael's lap, laid there, and I was just like sobbing. Wow. And I'm like, okay, like there, there's something here for me. And so for me, anything that's that compelling, that creates such a reaction 
there's something true there for you. There's something valuable there. Um, goosebumps, yeah, for a lot of people resonate as truth. It's like, oh, that gave me goosebumps. Okay, cool. There might be some truth there, but you got to test it out. You just got to notice. For some people, it might be like a smile or you know something like that. Yeah, yeah, goosebumps for me, tears of, of joy, uh, yeah, that whole like skin sensation starts to starts to get chills, that kind of thing. Um, amazing, thank you so much, so much goodness here. Um, and if people want to continue to engage with you and your work, what's the best place for them to go at this point? The best place to go is actually, I have this Facebook group, the Untame Yourself Facebook group. They can go to untameyourself.com forward slash Facebook. It's a free group and it's just, it's a container where we're geeking out on this stuff all the time. People who are reading the book, listening to the podcast, wanting to have these kind of conversations, a lot of it happens in there. And other than that, like if you just uh, type in Dialto into social media, it's just me and my brother. There's no other Dialtos for the most part. Uh, so he's a comedian. He's hilarious. But you'll find me. YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, all the places. So again, going into the thing, how do you like to interact? I'm on all the places because some people like different things. Boom. There we go. Elizabeth, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. Thanks so much for rocking with us. If you dug today's interview, I'd love if you'd be game to share it with somebody in your real life. You can share it on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, wherever, but also with someone who you think might benefit directly from it. And one last thing, we've got some really exciting things happening in the near future. I'm gearing up to implement some new ways and fun opportunities to help you transform your life with what we spoke about today and some other goodness in the near future. And so, in order to make sure that you get the down low on how to rock with us, what I'd love for you to do is head on over to sensify.com and make sure that you're subscribed to the newsletter. So that's S E N S O phy.com and I will share with you the most ballistic behind the scenes absolute dopeness that will hopefully light up your day and also some great opportunities to engage with our community to get support in making these meaningful changes that we spoke about today. So sensify.com, sign up for the newsletter and feel free to shoot me a personal email after you sign up as you will get the opportunity to reply to my email when you do that. So much love. Looking forward to talking soon. Thanks for rocking with us. Have yourself a dope day. Later.